Hey guys, what's up? Journey to Truth podcast is brought to you by Omnia Radiation Balancer, which is a device that protects against the microwave radiation that we're all bombarded with every day. Uh, last week we had Tim Sanders on. If any of you caught that, he explained it in detail how the technology works. It's a patch that you put on any radiating device, cell phone, laptop, desktop, microwave, Wi-Fi router, uh, smart meter, anything. And it basically just negates the threat to our vibrational body. It balances the harmful electromagnetic frequencies. Aaron, what do you think about it? It's a little patch sticker thing that you, you can put on any of your devices and it balances out the radiation so it doesn't harm you, basically. It balances it out so that it's it's safe. And yeah, and it's also been proven to reduce DNA damage uh, reduces stress anxiety headaches a whole list of stuff and it actually improves uh, blood circulation immune system function energy levels sleep uh, quality um, to purchase the omnia radiation balancer click here uh, Hey, welcome to Journey to Truth podcast. Tonight, we have Jason Quitt. Uh, in my eyes, he's best known as being an experiencer with an incredible story, um, but not just an experiencer. He's a channeler of universal and multidimensional healing energies, which he now teaches. Uh, he's also known for his books, Egyptian Postures of Power, The Yosef Codes, and Forbidden Knowledge, which Aaron and I have both read. It's a fantastic book that kind of gives an overview of his, his life uh, in, as far as his experiences go. Um, he's the creator of the website and Facebook page, The Crystal Sun, uh, which I'm excited to hear about, actually, because I, I, I was just scrolling through it. I'm, I'm kind of new to it, so I don't know much about uh, your idea behind all of it. So I'd like to hear uh, your thoughts on that. And welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for inviting me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, yeah. We've been looking forward to this one yeah. uh, ever since I read your book, actually, because I had heard your name, but, it's, you know, you hear all these names get thrown around in the community and stuff. And uh, Aaron, I got he let me borrow the book at Isetti when we were down there. And I came home and read it immediately, and I flew through it. And it was actually so synchronistic at the time for me just a lot of the stuff that you went through reminded me of some of the experiences i've had but not not to the extreme that yours go but it really resonated with me especially the part when you talked about the egyptian postures and that stuff i've had a fascination with egypt since i was a kid you know uh so i i, I actually haven't applied those postures and tried that those poses but i definitely want to look into that so um, I don't know if you want to start off and just giving us a brief overview for people who may not know you. Sure. Um, I, would, I would describe myself as a lifetime experiencer, which basically means uh, my whole life I've had experiences that are outside of the three-dimensional world. This is, um, I would call the spiritual experiences uh, that has to do with astral travel, pre-birth memories, past life memories, um, it has to do with, um, I would say, the paranormal, uh, being visited by spirits, um, I would say, um, my whole life. And 
I really didn't think that I was different than anybody else. I thought everything that I was experiencing was completely normal. It did scare the crap out of me a lot, especially as a, uh, a child. But when I would ask uh, my parents specifically and say, you know, this is what has been happening to me, they would just say it's a nightmare. So I thought that um, what I was experiencing is just something called a nightmare and everybody experiences these things. And I just continued on with my life. Um, it wasn't until I was a little older, I would say about uh, 11 years old, when I started to openly talk about these things. And that's when I found out that uh, people didn't really understand what I was talking about. And um, this happened when I was, um, we call it elementary school here. I don't know what you call it in the States. Yeah. But I, I went to a new school and um, I didn't have any friends. Um, I didn't know anybody. And I, there was this person there that I became friends with. And when I became friends with this person, all these memories of us in a past life came back to me. And I was so excited to be with this person again in this life. And it, I started to really try to explain to this person, you know, don't you remember uh, who we were? <laughs> and um, when you start a conversation like that, uh, you kind of get an eyebrow raised. And I realized that um, maybe I saw the world a little differently. So basically, um, I've been going through this journey. You can call it the awakening process. I've been going through it my whole life. I'm still going through it. I really don't think there's an end to it. And I, I really did feel alone in it. I didn't really have anybody to talk about these experiences. So um, in 2014, 2015, um, I decided uh, with the help of a, another author named Bob Mitchell to sit down and actually write down my experiences. Um, it was a very therapeutic thing just to get it out uh, of my head, which was very, very uh, good to do. Because I don't, I, once I wrote the book, I, I felt like I didn't have to carry those stories anymore. I just got it out of my, my consciousness. And I put it out there. And uh, I didn't think that we, I, I didn't think it would reach the level of people that it actually did. Um, I thought it would just kind of stay in a small group in Toronto of a group of friends. But um, that book, I don't know, it just kind of flew all over the world and people really resonated with it. And now I have to tell my story, <laughs> to continually tell my story over and over again. Um, <laughs> which is, I guess it's my, uh, my curse, but it's also uh, a pleasure to do because I found that just by me expressing uh, my stories about what has happened to me over my life, um, I found out that there are so many people just like me and these um, experiences are actually more common than I thought. Um, so it's, a, it's an amazing experience to share these ex these stories and actually get feedback from people that, like uh, Tyler, you said that you've had these experiences. And I've actually went and watched uh, a previous show of yours when you were describing 
uh, some of your experiences, and I knew exactly what you were talking about because awesome. this is a um, – I believe what we are all experiencing, all of us, is actually a normal human experience. You know, what we call spiritual, paranormal, awakening experience, it's actually completely common and normal. What's not normal is the society we're living in mm-hmm. and the kind of matrix that we've been put into um, where these things are kind of hidden from us. So uh, the reason we called the book Forbidden Knowledge uh, was just that. It's like, it seems like for some reason, we're not allowed to talk about these subjects. And when we do talk about these subjects, 99% of the population will just kind of turn their heads away from you because they are programmed not to accept this information. It's a very deep rooted program. So with the internet, with shows like yours, with getting on radio and TV and internet, we're reaching an audience of people that are hungry for this information because they're experiencing this too. And nobody in the mainstream media, no one in the, in the world um, is really listening to them or taking them seriously. Yeah. And I agree with you 100%, but also, you know, you say it happens to everyone, but I think people like yourself, like are, for some reason not special that I don't want to use the word special, but some people have more experiences. Are there, it might be in their contract to remember their experiences. Um, So it does happen more to some people on at least their level of awareness. So I I know like you even talked about like, like choosing your parents before you came here. Like, I don't think many people, have that memory if if any you know so you know we we're each we're each unique in that way yeah and i completely agree for some reason it might be a contract or something that we've chosen to come into this world with um but it's almost like the reason i remember these things is because it set up my life path in a certain way Whereas somebody else may not have these experiences because they're not supposed to um, explore that avenue to keep them on the right path in life. And I've actually experienced this many times and it's a very strange phenomenon. Um, Basically, I'll start talking to somebody about uh, these experiences or consciousness in general or spiritual philosophies and they'll fall asleep in front of me. And it's not because my voice is so soothing. Like literally their subconscious shuts them down. And I've seen this happen multiple times. Wow. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out, well, why are these people just shutting down? And I realize the information that I might be expressing to them, um, it may change or alter their path. And their subconscious is actually defending that by just shutting down so they don't take in that information. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's just like we're so programmed that when information comes in, it's outside of that. It, it yeah, we shut down. I've I've been in the same scenario. People actually, it isn't their whole body language changes. They shift away from the person. They don't realize they're doing it. Uh, I don't think it's their own fault. I I just think it's this this 
stupid ass matrix that we're a part of. <laughs> yeah. But again, it's like, uh, you know, you give information is a very powerful thing. And if you give somebody information, even though it's positive information, um, it could alter and change their path in a negative way. You know, it's, it's the same thing with, um, you know, drugs, you give the, the wrong person drugs, not saying I'm giving someone drugs, just as an example, sure. you give the wrong person drugs, they can become um, very addicted and ruin their lives with it. So um, the information has a certain power to it that we have to respect. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. So um, I don't, like you said, you've told this story a bunch. I don't, I don't want you to have to repeat anything. And a lot of people listening probably have heard you talk. Is there anything new, any other, any experiences that have happened outside of this book or recently even uh, that you would want to share? Sure. Sure. There's a, there was a very interesting moment that I had. This was about last year. Um, and by the way, I have maybe experiences every month or a couple months. It's not uncommon, but there was one experience that really stood out to me. And it was actually, I was on the, uh, it was the day before I left Florida and I usually have some pretty crazy experiences in Florida, and I'm pretty sure there's some very powerful energy down there. But I'm in a dream, and a lot of these experiences happen in the dream state. And this dream is so real, it's like this other matrix reality. And I catch myself in the dream uh, very lucid, just like I'm in the real world, I'm walking around in this dream. And I realize that I'm actually in a dream, but this is not a normal dream. It's too real. In fact, I felt like I was there. I wasn't in a dream. It was way too long. And I kind of stopped and I looked at a person in the dream. Uh, we were on the street, basically. And I knew that this was some type of matrix reality or projection. And I knew that there was some being here monitoring me. So in the dream, I went up to this person and I started to demand to know um, who it was. Why am I here in this dream reality? Because it's not my dream. It's like your consciousness is taken and placed somewhere to experience mm -hmm. this matrix reality for some reason. And it just looked like a normal person. It was wearing like a suit. It was wearing like a hat, not like a man in not not like a man in black, but just a normal guy. Yeah. And but I demanded to see its true form, and its human face went away. It was still wearing the suit and the hat, but it was like a amphibious-looking creature. It was like, an, it had really amazing eyes. The only thing I could tell you about the eyes was it looked like um, cat eyes or, or um, like crocodile eyes. They almost looked like jewels. They're very beautiful eyes and it had like uh, green scales and people would say, well, that's a reptilian, but no, this was a very different, it was almost more like a, an amphibian type creature. And after I figured out that, this thing was somehow controlling 
this matrix, it popped me out and I woke up. And um, when we did a, um, a channeling session after to try to tune in to check in to see um, what this being was, uh, basically we saw many of these beings sitting around these screens in outer space and they could use this technology to literally uh, experiment on us or, or create these types of matrix, re matrix realities to test us or to teach us things. So I didn't really get any negative um, feeling from it. I just got more of a, there is some type of uh, being out there that can actually pull, a, pull our consciousness into a matrix type reality to, and I don't know for what means or ends, but they're definitely able to do this. Some just some type of experiment, most likely. Uh, Maybe. Yeah. Uh, I always find it interesting that, um, and I don't know if this is like a personal ability of mine, but for some reason when I'm in these states, I'm able to um, almost stop them and question the beings that are doing this to me. And they're always kind of shocked that they've been discovered or they can be seen. Mm -hmm. And it just stops everything in its tracks. And it's almost like, you know, you're in, the, in Star Trek in the holodeck. And then suddenly you realize, I'm in the holodeck. Why am I here? Who's doing it? And suddenly you have this uh, confrontation with the intelligence that's doing this experiment. And I find it happens... Um, something of that nature happens maybe at least once a year with some type of intelligence. That's in, that's wow. interesting uh, because when I I used to suffer from sleep paralysis uh, really bad. It was it was ruining my life at the time. Uh, I had some type of attachment or something. I'm not really sure, but uh, in my dreams, I, so I figured out how to stop it accidentally. I would in the I would always have a dream and some entity or some being would like infiltrate my dream and I would see it in the distance and it would just like get closer to me. And, and then as it finally got to me in the dream, I would, that's when I would wake up in complete paralysis and it's the most horrific thing to possibly experience if anybody has ever experienced it, especially when it's like full blown paralysis. But I, I realized that, you know, I started lucid dreaming to where you can kind of control your dreams and, uh, fast forward, rewind, do other stuff. And I would see this thing infiltrating and I would just be like, no, nope, not this time. And I wake myself up and I would wake myself up every time before it happened. And eventually it stopped because I could, they, I, they couldn't fool me anymore because I knew, I just knew the energy of that entity that was coming forward. So this reminded me of what you were talking about. Yeah. And, um, you know, I talk extensively on uh, sleep paralysis also in the book. Yeah. And uh, now, uh, because I've had these experiences, I'll say more than 500 times in my life, I can't even count them anymore. Um, when your dream starts to be infiltrated, when you know it's not your dream and there's some type of influence over it, I pop out of my body and I see, I go, who's in the room with me? What intelligence, what being is here trying to manipulate or influence my dreams or my thoughts? And in the out-of-body experience, uh, once you come out, 
that being is, is literally in the room with you. Mm, it's visible to see. So then um, it's like they're caught. They don't know what to do. They, they panic. <laughs> and um, that's when you realize that you have um, a power that they don't have. Um, yes. And then you get very comfortable in that situation and very um, accustomed to, to seeing the difference between your dream and the influencer's dream. Um, and then you can, like you said, you can take control of this. And I could only say from my experience that that's a hundred percent of what's happening is for some reason, these beings, uh, we can call them multidimensional beings, uh, astral beings, entities, uh, spirits, for some reason, they can tap into us through our dreams and our thoughts and show us images. And some of these images are not very nice. They could be trying to convince us that we're sick or dying, or they can take us um, and show us things that might scare us, like end of world events or um, underground bases and experiments. Um, all these things I've seen um, and experienced, and I have to try to figure out Am I seeing through um, something that's actually occurring here on the planet? Or is this something that somebody's manipulating and playing with me? Yeah. I, I mean, it can, it could either, I think it could be either or depending on yeah. the circumstance. Definitely. Uh, I, one time that happened to me when I was able to physically see the being in my room. And uh, I've told this before on here, but it resembled, it was like, a black silhouette, but I could like see the red veins like flow, like it was, it was like translucent, transparent, except they had a pumpkin head. And the only, the only reason I could think that it had a pumpkin head is because I was terrified of that movie as a child. So it was trying to mimic what something that it knew I was afraid of. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. That's, yeah. When I was, when I was a child, the only way I could describe the being that came into the room was I would say it looked like a scarecrow. Wow. That's yeah. That's interesting. It was just like a shadow uh, silhouette. And if I really focused in on it, uh, because you actually, you can't really see it. Uh, it just looks like a shadow with a mass. It's the only way I could describe it. But when you're like really focused on, I, I really want to see what this being looks like. To me, it looked like uh, almost like a dehydrated human. That's all I could say. It was like almost like a mummified being is what I saw. And I, the only thing I could describe it as was a scarecrow as a child. Wow. That's interesting. That's, that's super interesting. Um, so, I let's just shift gears here a little bit. <laughs> I, I I know you're uh, into the crystal healing, crystal energies and all that stuff. And, yep. uh, and the Aurelite 23, which uh, uh, I actually everywhere. I was already <laughs> gifted. I was actually gifted a piece of that prior to me coming across your book. So I knew it was kind of synchronistic. Uh, so I, I didn't know if you wanted to touch on that actual particular crystal and and just your experience, because I, I have some questions about Arkansas also. Sure. 
Um, I've always been drawn to crystals my whole life. I've always had a crystal collection. So for me, crystals have always been around me. Um, you know, growing up, I really didn't think of anything special other than they were just really cool. Um, they looked really good and in, in, put them in the bedroom. And then when I started to have my awakening experiences, um, I was basically being attacked for years on end. <laughs> so I would just, I would just continually be attacked by entities, sleep paralysis, negative influences. And I was told that crystals uh, were one way to protect you. So I had some crystals, but I didn't have a lot. So I started to really uh, purchase a lot of crystals and, um, one of the crystals I really liked was the Arkansas crystals. And I started to just fill uh, the room with a bunch of different crystals. And I felt, and the, not just crystals, crystals in Oregon. In fact, I was making Oregon a long time ago. I was making Oregon around 2004, 2003, 2004. I was making and selling Oregon. And I would place it around my bedroom. And I actually felt that like, the attacks lessened by a lot, like maybe around 70 to 80%, um, the attacks stopped. So I knew that having these crystals around me had some type of influence in the spiritual realm. And I started to go into the crystal business. So um, I got called down to Arkansas first, and I made friends with a person who owned a mine. And I just loaded up on Arkansas crystals, which are a very pure form of quartz, very high frequency. And my bedroom turned into almost like a crystal cave or a crystal museum. I had crystals on every single surface of my bedroom. I couldn't put a cup of water down on my night nightstand because there was too many crystals. <laughs> <laughs> and even under the bed, there was grids. I, I mean, literally, I lived in a crystal room. And the most amazing thing is I started to feel um, I didn't really have a, a sensation towards crystals, but it was when I put all these crystals in the room, that's when I started to feel their impact on my energy. Um, in fact, like um, let's say for example, I was in downtown Toronto, which is, you know, like a city. And after a long day of being, being in the city, you feel like garbage. You feel like there's a tiredness in your eyes. You feel like there's a weight on your shoulders. Mm -hmm. And I walked into the, the bedroom. And as I walked in with these crystals, I literally could feel these things being pulled off my energy field. And I could feel being rejuvenated. And I realized that these crystals had some type of um, field around them that wouldn't allow those negative or chaotic frequencies from the city to enter this sacred space. So I knew that these crystals were almost like uh, protecting me or, or cleansing me in their presence. And then years after that, I got into the ore light crystals, which is also a quartz, but it's a, it's a very unique quartz. Uh, it's about 2 billion years old um, from the Canadian shield and it has 23 rare uh, minerals inside this crystal, minerals and metals. And it's, it comes from an area that was uh, hit by a meteorite. So all those pieces of that, that metal from outer space is inside these crystals. Mm -hmm. 
And I started to meditate with these crystals and I would have actual, um, I would say multi-dimensional experiences where um, I would receive messages, I would receive visions. Um, when I first held that crystal, and I think I wrote about this in, in Forbidden Knowledge, but when I held that crystal for the first time, I fell asleep with it in my hand and I was taken into this uh, space. It, was, it looked like I was in outer space and I could see this uh, clay rope in front of me. And I'm, I'm looking at this clay rope and the clay rope just twisted very fast. And as the rope twisted, the clay just exploded off in all directions. And there was this beautiful crystalline glowing, almost like a DNA strand rope underneath it. And when this thing um, broke and the pieces shattered all over the place, it felt like every cell in my body exploded at that same moment. And it shocked me. So I literally woke up from the experience with the crystal still in my hand and I jumped out of bed and I heard a voice very clearly in my mind. It said, be still, we are activating dormant DNA. Wow. And that was a pretty profound experience. And I knew that it was because I was holding and meditating with that crystal for some reason, that crystal um, allowed that experience to transpire. Wow, that's that's awesome. Uh, I had, after reading your book, I decided to, I was traveling to Iowa and I brought that crystal with me and I decided to hold it in my left hand, my receiving hand for an hour straight, just a straight up hour while I was driving. And Really, I didn't notice. I noticed maybe a little bit, but nothing. And I almost gave up a couple times. I wanted to put it down, but I was like, no, I'll just hold on to it. And I switched hands. And when I switched hands, I could physically feel this crystal vibrating. It was so incredible. And what I noticed started to happen was like my whole reality changed. And I was able to see like the the aura of like the trees and like the light that was emanating off of them. And it was like, at one point, like it looked like the robe was like almost like vortexing. I was like, holy shit, I'm going to crash if I don't put this crystal down. <laughs> it was so amazing. And it was just, I knew the power of it after I did that. Uh, so I've definitely uh, put it into play a little more now that I realize what it can do. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, continually stock up on crystals, continually meditate with them. And I've been um, teaching different methods of ancient shamanic uh, healing methods using crystals uh, just by placing them on the body, um, holding them in different hands and breathing techniques with the crystal. It seems to open up the energy field, open up the energy meridians of the body to allow those experiences to happen. Yeah, that's incredible. And I agree with that just from experience. Yeah. Uh, so about the place uh, in Arkansas. So I'm actually going on Sunday. I'm heading to Arkansas to go to board camp crystal mine. I don't know if you know where that one in particular is. Uh, no, not that one. Um, but it's like kind of like East if you know, what you it's known for the, 
the UFO sightings, the Sasquatch. It's like a something's going on there. You've been to East City. Yeah, yeah, I've been to East City a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. And Arkansas is a very special place. Have you been there before? I've been there when I was a kid. I didn't, I was totally sleeping in a coma back then. So I didn't know, you know. Um, There's, um, what I notice is when I'm driving down to Arkansas, you start to smell that sweetness in the air from those trees. There's like a very ancient uh, smell. That's the only way I could describe it going down to Arkansas uh, for those forests there. And the energy there is so pristine. Uh, there is quartz and gold and minerals all over uh, that state. And especially up around Mount Ida is where the really um, clear crystals come from. So um, it's a trip, like especially around that Mount Ida area. So um, yeah, it's been many years since I've been there, but um, I definitely want to go back. And if I'm so before we were all talking just to the listeners, I was looking at my pen and I realized that the name of this pen is Atlantis. I didn't know this and I've had this pen for a while. And I and I know in your book you talked about I, I believe I read it in your book talking about um, Arkansas was an ancient Atlantean city, Crystal City at one point or some, something along those lines. Is that correct? Yeah, so here's like a, I don't know if we can see that there. This is from Arkansas here. And it just shows you the um, the sandstone with the crystals growing out of it. That's amazing. And uh, yeah, so many years ago, uh, there were some channelers um, who were taking crystals from Brazil. And what they were saying is that these are Lemurian crystals, right? Mm-hmm. So um, there was a big fad um, in the 90s and uh, early 2000s of everybody wanted to go down to Brazil to get these Lemurian crystals. And then uh, people were really interested in what Arkansas had because it was still relatively untapped back in the 90s and 2000s. And when these crystals came out of the ground, they had these record keeper lines on these crystals, but they were of a different consistency than Brazil. Brazil, it almost has like um, an orangey, yellowy sheen to the crystals. They're not like um, perfect glass clean crystals. But in Arkansas, the crystals are so pure, they just look like glass. They're so beautiful, these crystals. So then the channeler started to say, Arkansas is where the Atlantean crystals are and Lemuria is the Lemurian crystals or sorry, the Brazil is the Lemurian crystals. And um, they said that the Atlanteans um, back in the time of Atlantis would come to places like Arkansas to find these crystals. And they still believe that there's Atlantean crystals still buried from the times of Atlantis in Arkansas and this is why it's such a paranormal spot where, like you were saying, you can see Sasquatch, UFOs, have spiritual experiences because they say there's a huge Atlantean crystal still buried, still active in the Arkansas area. 
so I'm going to add to that because that's um, where I'm going. I'm going for a reason. I've t- I think I've told this story in the podcast before, but you'll find this interesting. Uh, a friend of mine, Margie K, she's a extremely uh, well remote viewer. She's uh, she's helped solve like 57 different missing person uh, cases and all kinds of stuff. Uh, she was invited down there and she remote viewed the, this specific location before she went because they would wake up uh they wake up in the morning out there and there'll be crystals just like lying on the surface of the ground and they don't know how they're getting there so she decided to remote view it and what she saw was a ufo come over and extracting crystals out of the ground but not without disturbing the earth and bringing them up into their into their craft and then she was was able to remote view from inside the craft and she gathered that they're using these specific crystals as something like sought after for their technology, uh, whatever, whatever it may be. And she was, she said that the crystals that they weren't looking for, the ones that they, they weren't significant to them, they would just discard and set aside. And those are the ones that would be laying there every morning when they woke up. <clears throat> so there is something about those crystals in that area. It's, that's interesting you said that because um, in Brazil, the whole story with the Lemurian crystals is that they would go into these caves and they would find piles of these crystals that uh, were just in sand. So it's like someone took them there and just buried them there or discarded them there. And there was no reason for them to be there. So they said these crystals were very special um, and it sounds exactly like the same thing what you're describing. There are crystals like all over the place in Arkansas. If you walk through the forest, you may trip over one. So it's very interesting. And I'm just going to stand up for a second here. Sure. See if I can grab this. Ugh. Wow. That is awesome. Wow. So this is Arkansas. Holy That's awesome. And you can't find crystals like this. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. it's, it does not, it just, when you, when you really look at this, it just does not look real. No, it doesn't. That the earth can actually create this. And if you look at the bottom of it, they're double terminated. Wow. So this wow. has no bottom. It's all points from the bottom to the top. Wow. So Yeah. And just holding this, you know, it just feels like cold air is running through my body. Like that vibration of it is so pure. Yeah. And in fact, in Arkansas, um, the reason they started to mine in Arkansas for these crystals is from World War I. Because these crystals are so pure that they use these crystals for the walkie-talkies and the communication uh-huh. devices in World War I. And that's why we know how special these crystals are. Wow. I, I do have some that are not that pristine, but my my father went down there a few times and mined, mined some of his own crystals and he has boxes of them. And uh, they, they, they're pretty similar to that, but that one is unique. Uh, and he's given me some of them, but uh, it's definitely... Yeah, I, I only have one like that. <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty special one. No, no. It was actually uh, found um, in one of the mines in Arkansas. And um, the mine owner actually put it aside for himself. 
he wasn't going to sell this. He's like, this is too nice. And uh, I developed a friendship with that person and I bought a lot of stuff from him. And I said, I really love that piece. And he said, he'd sell it to me if I promise I would never sell it to anybody else. Right. Good deal. And I, <laughs> and I said, that's fine. I would never sell that piece anyways. Yeah, you're yeah. like, don't worry about that. <laughs> don't worry about that. It's staying with me. Yeah. Uh, and then one, one more thing on crystals before we, uh, change subjects. I, I just remember you talking about how like you can communicate with them that you can talk to them and actually essentially ask them for stuff. Like, like, like I know you guys were lost and they helped you find your way. Uh, and it sounds crazy if you're saying it like that, but yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know if you wanted to elaborate on that a little more. Sure. Sure. Of course. Um, there's su- there seems to be some type of intelligence to a crystal um, in ancient uh, thought, they believe that uh, crystals had uh, an intelligence or soul to them. Um, they, they had a spirit that you can communicate with. Um, I think that a crystal is actually um, some type of an interface between the multidimensional world, as in you can use a crystal to communicate with other beings in other realms. I, I really believe that. So uh, what you're referring to is a story where we actually got lost driving in the, in the States and we were around uh, Cincinnati area driving back from um, Arkansas to Toronto. And I've never been through Cincinnati. I don't know the area. And um, from what I saw out the window, it looked pretty rough. Like I really didn't want to stop where I was driving. <laughs> and um Basically, um, I said, uh, we, I was having a conversation with my wife and uh, we said, you know, we need to find a place um, that's safe, that doesn't cost too much money, um, and it's near the, the Cheesecake Factory. Cheesecake my wife, factory. My wife really wanted to eat at the Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> <laughs> so we said, we had, the whole car was filled with these crystals like literally the trunk in the backseat. And that's why I said we need a safe place to rest because I'm leaving a car filled with crystals. I don't want anybody to break in. And um, I had my GPS on, and this is the weird thing. Uh, well, also my wife is psychic and she could see things as well. And she said, let's ask the crystals. And we asked the crystals for help. You know, could you help us find a safe place uh, to sleep, find a, uh, uh, good cost and uh, the cheesecake factory. That was a joke, right? So yeah. she was joking. And she said she saw that the crystals would send these beams of light from our car to the driving cars next to us. It was almost like they were gathering information. And I have the GPS on and we basically, uh, it's, I don't want to say I blacked out, but I was driving for like 30, 40 minutes and I look down at my GPS and I go, oh, crap. I'm like, I'm not even on the right highway. How did I get here? <laughs> like, I was just on autopilot driving somewhere. And I couldn't understand where I was. So I freaked out. And I, I just got off on the next exit of the highway. And right when I got off, there was a very nice hotel. So I said, you know what? This place looks nice. Let's go in. And we go in and we say, you know, um, you know, we're Canadians, we're lost. 
<laughs> we're looking for a good place to, to rest. And the, the manager was there. They're like, I'm Canadian. I'm going to give you a good deal out of this hotel. Nice. So it was like a half price hotel. It was a very nice hotel. They gave it to us for half price. And then my wife says, I'm very hungry. Where can I eat? And he goes, oh, the Cheesecake Factory is right there. <laughs> wow. So yeah. we were like, we looked at each other and we're like, oh my God, those crystals. <laughs> it worked. It worked. <laughs> but you know what? I'll tell you another story. There was this guy. Um, he's not a believer in crystals, you know. And I was, I was talking to him about Oralite and he just didn't buy it. He's just, you know, these crystals, whatever. He came back to my booth the next day and he's like, I can't get this crystal out of my mind. And it's that one. Like there was a specific crystal on the table. He couldn't get out of his mind. And he's like, he came back and he said, I want to buy this, but I don't understand why I can't get this crystal out of my mind. And I said, well, the crystal's calling you, you know, <laughs> it's for some reason there's a resonance and it wants to go home with you. And this is not me being a salesman. This is, you know, me trying to explain yeah. why the person can't get a crystal out of his head when he doesn't believe in crystals. And he said, well, how do I use it? I said, you know, take the crystal home, ask it a question before bed and then put it under your pillow and go to sleep. And you might get the answer in a dream, right? And the next day he came back to the, the show and he was so excited to tell me. He's like, Jay, I did exactly what you said and I got the answer in the dream. Wow. No I'm like, that's amazing. So, you know, regardless of what people think, yeah, it's just a pretty stone. It's a paperweight, you know, it's, it's a wonder of the world whatever people think of this stone or any stone you know try to tap into its power try to tap into this subconscious superconscious mind connection with these elements and see what happens i mean what can you lose yeah and what, and one thing in, interesting about crystals now they're becoming so popular there's a demand for them people want them and so i was reading an article about how crystals have become a multi billion dollar business really and there so we heard about you know we know about blood diamonds uh you know the origin essentially like like shungite is a big one uh there's they're being mined in their harsh conditions so we really have to watch out that it sucks that it's getting to that point but we have to watch out with the energy that's coming along with some of these that you might find in let's say like a marshall's or a department store yeah when they're, when they're getting you know you Knowing where the crystal came from is important. That's right. And uh, there's something really interesting started to happen about 10, 15 years ago, is that uh, when the mining industry got uh, a lot of uh, people looking into it, uh, a lot of Chinese companies bought up a lot of mines all over the United States and in Canada. Um, I don't know if you know this, but even in Arkansas, a lot of Chinese companies have taken over those mining rights uh, because in China crystals are a huge thing and it's a lot of money if you go um, to anywhere in Asia Japan Taiwan Hong Kong China uh, you know a crystal like this could be five times the value just to, 
to buy it over there. Mm. Um, so yes, you do have to mine it ethically. Um, I'm very fortunate to have the experience of actually going down to the mines myself, being friends with the mine owners. For example, um, Orlite 23, um, that comes from Thunder Bay, Ontario. And I live in, I live in Ontario too, right? Yeah. So um, it's just him. It's one man and his son. And they, they mine the Oralite. It's like their family business. Yeah. That's awesome. And they literally pull it out with their hands. And it, depending on what they get each year, it sells out. Yeah, there you go. That's a beautiful piece. That's actually uh, an emerald. I would call that an emerald Oralite. Or it, it has yeah, the, the green was, in it. This was gifted to me. Uh, I went to Hawaii for Cosmic Waves and met somebody down there. And when I got back home, she actually mailed it to me nice. uh, as a gift. And it was uh, it, with with all kinds of paperwork explaining you know where it's from and you know it's all of its uh, features. What am I? What word am I looking for? Yeah, um, but yeah, uh, yeah. So. metaphysical properties. But no, exactly. Yeah. So my friend pulled that out of the ground with his hands. And now you're holding it. Wow. <laughs> it doesn't. And uh, the beautiful thing is, is that, uh, so he only goes to the mine a couple months out of the year because in Thunder Bay, Ontario, there's already snow up there. All right. It's the, the mining season is extremely short. So right now um, he actually lives down the street from me and I'm going over there this week. So I'll put pictures on uh, Facebook and Twitter that, um, we get to wash the new stones that have come out of that mine. So I'm one of the first people in the world to actually see and hold these crystals uh, before they hit any market or anybody else. So if there's uh, very interesting pieces, um, I kind of put them in the Jason pile. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, nice. Okay. So um, before we wrap things up, uh, I want to, I'm interested in your thoughts on what's happening with disclosure, you know, the current events that we're seeing and the awakening and everyone's going through right now. Um, uh, what, what's your, what are your, what are your opinion? What's your opinion on what's happening right now? Well, my opinion is um, we're definitely seeing a lot of information out there. I would say it's more accessible now because of the internet and more people are open to that information, especially after uh, 9-11. You know, so, um, you know, I've been kind of watching this whole community since, since basically 2004. Uh, so quite a, quite a while to see this. And I've seen them talking about uh, the cabal, you know, since back then. I've, I've seen them talking about um, human trafficking and, uh, you know, um, Illuminati and all these really dark things. Um, it's interesting now that that's a main focus online, especially on Facebook and Twitter, and everybody's really talking about it. The problem that I see with disclosure is that I'm finding that it's more of an echo chamber, mm -hmm. especially online. It's the same people talking the same language, the same things, and they're just talking to each other not really getting out there in the mainstream 
And I really have come to the conclusion that um, disclosure is actually very different depending on the person you ask. So people have many ideas of what disclosure is and if it's going to come, I think a disclosure, it has to come, unfortunately, it has to come from uh, government highest levels. It has to come from a president actually speaking the words of what has been hidden from the public, uh, which is a kind of a pipe dream in my opinion. I don't think they'll ever do that unless they're absolutely forced into it. Um, so I definitely see disclosure happening very, very slowly because remember the disclosure community is a very tiny bubble in this world. Mm -hmm. uh, if you travel around the world, you'll realize very little people are actually talking about this. We think it's a very big thing because, you know, we're in those groups on Facebook or we're in those groups on Twitter and we hear it about it every single day, but you go out into the real world and you talk to 20 people. Um, most of them will have no idea what you're talking about. So we have that. Or they'll, or they'll laugh at. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, yeah. So, you know, we have to be very realistic. Like if we're talking about free energy, we'll use free energy as an example. Uh, because the disclosure movement wants the release of um, free energy technology. Well, our whole economy, the whole world is based off of uh, oil at this point. The whole infrastructure of our world is built off of oil. Um, there's millions and millions of cars on our streets uh, factories, natural gas, everything is dependent on that infrastructure. So governments uh, all around the world, they plan in advance. So they're setting up infrastructure to keep us on oil for so many years into the future. If you're going to bring in free energy technology, they would have to redo their infrastructure. They would have to change so much uh, from the vehicles to uh, the plants to the people like think of all the people that repair cars, change the oil in cars, fix things. Those jobs would be destroyed. Uh, most people in the world right now, the only thing they care about is having a good job and feeding their family and a lot of the retirement. A lot of people in the world, um, they don't even have a TV. They don't even have the internet yet. And um, that's, a, that's a huge number in population that does not even have clean water, <laughs> you know? So we have to meet those needs first of the, the greater human population. You know, we can't just say, here's free energy. Um, I don't remember exactly who said this, but it was a very smart man. Um, I think I heard this from Grant Cameron. He was saying that right now, um, we have a limit to how much resources we're allowed to take from our planet. And the reason we have a limit is because um, everything takes energy and fuel to extract the resources from our world. He says, if you gave us technology right now at our state of spiritual awareness, 
that's completely free. So there is, is no limit to how much energy we could, we could spend for free. We would take the resources from the planet even faster. We would abuse it. Yeah. You're very, you're making a lot of good points. And, and I was even thinking about like flying cars, you know, like they have the drone out that you can actually pilot fly inside this drone. And I'm thinking, okay, in order for something like that to become mainstream, we would have to wipe out the power grid. The power lines would be the big issue because they're everywhere. You know, you couldn't even fly around because of the, the power lines itself. So that it's like, like you said, the infrastructure just has to go. Exactly. And that's a huge operation, but there's still developing infrastructure for the next 25, 30 years. Mm-hmm. So you have to think of that as well. And there's all these liability issues too. Like, think about it right now we have roads where you could drive your car if there are no roads and you're driving your hover car you can go in any direction any height yeah you know people are still going to crash people are going to uh, fly intoxicated <laughs> you know it just opens up a whole other problem yeah exactly so uh, i think the whole solution when it comes to disclosure is uh, human consciousness we have to kind of raise our consciousness to a spiritual level of understanding where that infrastructure will be brought into place because our, our, our awareness is already in that place. You know, right now it's like giving um, a machine gun to a baby. You know, they're not going to know how to use it. They're just going to point and shoot. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever yeah. happens, happens. So, um, we really have to grow into disclosure. And I know there's, there's groups of people that are like fighting. They want disclosure right now. Like tomorrow we want mass arrests. Tomorrow we want military uh, tribunals and basically kill off the people that have been harming us or keeping the truth from us. I mean, that's a very, very extreme view in my opinion. Um, you know, we really need a plan um, to set up an infrastructure, to set up a real way to incorporate these disclosures into our daily life. They can't just pop into existence. And that, that's my opinion. I think it would do more damage to pop into our existence than to ease into it. And, you know, I've heard rumors, and obviously these are just rumors, that they already have uh, free energy cars. They already have uh, free energy things that they've been using. And obviously the military has these things. Um, But like uh, one of the reasons why Elon Musk has Tesla and the electric car is yes, it's old technology, right? But they have to introduce the electric car before they could introduce free energy. Right? So they have to set up that infrastructure, get people used to being in, on an electrical grid, and then do that. Just like they can't give us the best possible cell phone technology. You know, we have to slowly be... Uh, um, <laughs> oh, don't get me started on cell phones. Yeah. That, that is the future. People are afraid of getting chipped. Man, we're worse than getting chipped. We have cell phones. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm well aware. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big deal. 
Well, what I, what I was saying is, you know, the technology is so far past what we're using, uh, like the smart glass pads. I don't know if you've heard about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like that's totally capable, but they're not going to make any money if they just give us the best product. They have to slowly advance to it, you know. Exactly. And then change yeah. the charging port every time, so you have to buy a new charger. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, you know. Uh, these things sound tedious. Like I love technology. I'm a technology person. Uh, I have cameras and musical equipment and computers, and I'm always looking for that next jump in technology. So of course I'm waiting for all these things to happen, but we have to all catch up. Mm -hmm. We really have to catch up. I mean, right now they have 8k cameras you can buy, but your computers can't really run them. <laughs> it takes up too much memory. So it's like you could have these really amazing toys, but you have to be practical in the infrastructure set up to uh, maintain that thing. So you could actually put an AK video on YouTube and it's going to stream properly. So they do that on purpose. You know, they, when your phone updates, it's the update doesn't support the operating system the phone was designed for. So as your phone updates, every time it gets slower and slower and eventually shit, I need a new phone. And this is by design. Uh, I, I had this old computer for my 2010 that I brought in the Best Buy and the guy couldn't believe that it was still working. And I said, I've been denying the updates for years now. Like the year. one you had when we started. Yeah. <laughs> it, it finally shot craps, but like he couldn't even believe it was still doing what it was doing. I said, because I don't update it. And I explained that theory to him. He was like, Oh, like he had never thought. About <laughs> no, you're, wow. you're absolutely correct. In fact, there's a story from the seventies. I'm going to have to look it up for you to get the exact name, but, uh, part in the United States, that was so perfect that he didn't a perfectly designed car engine. And it was on the market for a little, and they realized that they had to take it off the market immediately because it didn't support the infrastructure. People uh, wouldn't get oil changes. People wouldn't um, take it into the shop to get fixed and parts. So you'll notice if you drive a car, literally, if that, that if that, part of the engine says it's going to last 30,000 miles right at 30,000 30, miles that part is going to fail it's like they've designed them so perfectly that they know exactly when you have to come back into the shop to mm -hmm. pay more money to fix it oh, yeah. it's, a, it's like a science oh I've, we've all experienced that I mean there's, there's no question that they're screwing everybody really what's funny about car parts is like a guy at work was telling me, he's like, you know, I drive a $200,000 truck. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, if you do the math on what each car part costs individually, if you bought it from the store, you're, you're driving a $200,000 vehicle. It's funny how much all that's marked up, you know? Exactly. So when it comes to disclosure, obviously I'm a huge supporter, love disclosure. I love the people that are pushing the boundaries and trying to get information out there. Um, there's a lot of fear involved with uh, disclosure. 
And again, it's like, what is real disclosure? If the government comes out and says, yes, there's UFOs and there's greys and reptilians or whatever beings they present, is that a fantasy version they've created for the public? Or is that actual real disclosure? So again, we're stuck in that matrix illusion to believe what these authority figures are telling us. And why would we expect these authority figures to tell us the truth if, they, if they're the ones lying to us since the beginning? Yeah. So it's, it's a really crazy game to get into this disclosure stuff because it's like almost every door you open leads to the same conclusion they're in charge and they're pulling the strings and they're actually giving the flow of information yet we need them to tell us outright. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. And and what we know this is like, as soon as you do think you're making headway, all of a sudden you run into that pushback, you know, they're, you know, if you're trying to promote about, uh, harmful vaccines they just go above and beyond and just, you get this pushback that just makes you lose uh, motivation yeah and well then, yeah. well look at like uh, to the stars academy yeah yeah you know um, they put out information of actual uh, military uh, capturing uh, ufos on film and documenting it so it's a real case of something unidentified We don't know the full story of it, obviously, but now you have them admitting that there is something unusual about these objects, but the people at at, uh, To The Stars Academy are all CIA. They're all Department of Defense and ex-contractors from the military, and now they're even publicly stating that they're working with the U.S. Army on these uh, metamaterials. So again, it's like, these are the people that are keeping the truth from us. And now they're going to tell us the truth. It doesn't make any sense. And what really bothers me about that is they're collecting money. They're, you know, they're collecting money from all these innocent people who think they're like supporting a good cause and they're buying stock in the TTSA. Uh, And they're turning disclosure into a business. Uh, And they're disclosing information that is decades, if not older, you know, that's uh, right. And, and it's, it's just a big, it's a big joke. You know, it's laughable. And Tom DeLonge, you know, I, I hate to say it, but the term useful idiot comes to mind. You know, it's uh, either he knows, he either he knows he's being fed this false information or he really believes that what they're telling him is like the top notch, top secret stuff. And he thinks he's like special or something. Right. So again, um, Yes, this is part of disclosure, even though it could be an intelligence operation, because they're putting this thought into the mass consciousness that UFOs are real. So even though it's, uh, you know, may not be truthful, what they're trying to present, uh, they're still getting it out in the mass consciousness, which I think is a positive thing. The problem that I find is that their angle is that um, the UFOs are a threat and we need better weapons, better technology, and and a better military infrastructure. (laughs) See, there it is again. They want a better infrastructure to protect them from the threat of UFOs, which is huge Department of Defense money. 
and contracts. So they're very smart. And they're, and they're also disclosing this stuff through ATIP, advanced aerial threat. Yeah. And uh, that word threat is, um, it's just, it's being slid in there. So whenever it comes time, you know, we hear about this false alien invasion and stuff. Now they've been, well, we've been saying it's a threat, you know, the whole time. Yes. And it's all on space based weapons. And they're already, and this is what I think the secret space program actually is. It's the militarization of space. I mean, that's actually no secret whatsoever. And it's been going on for a while. It's just not public knowledge. But you have to think, are the satellite weapons pointed out into outer space or are they pointed down to the planet Earth? And that's the question we have to ask ourselves. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Yeah. Who knows, honestly? Uh, what do you think? I think there could be both. I th- Yeah, actually, <laughs> it's a bad lead up when I actually think it's both too. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I no, I really think that um, the whole thing is the militarization of space and total control of the planet. And I think that's the ultimate goal of the new world order, if you want to call them that, or the elite powers. Mm-hmm. And um, that's where I think we are right now in disclosure is, is finding out that we have this infrastructure in space. Yeah. Aaron, you've been quiet over there the whole time. Do you have anything to <laughs> add to that? Yeah. I mean, I agree with, with most of what you said for sure. Um, the thing that I want to add is there's also the ascension going on. It's not just disclosure. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's the real disclosure is what someone termed the ascension or, you know, uh, earth is ascending Gaia is ascending and we're here. So we're kind of going along with the planet and, um, that's naturally going to, going to cause disclosure because it's going to raise, I mean, it's the energies are increasing and it's um, it's basically pushing everything up to the surface, forcing everyone to deal with their crap. And people that are more negatively oriented are are having a hard time with it because they're they're kind of resistant to these energies. And uh, people that are more positively oriented are kind of um, kind of awakening, so to speak, and and, kind of having an easier time and people are um, having more experiences are having crazy dreams are feeling this energy. Um, I know I am for sure. And, um, and then you have, you know, talk of the solar flash apparently possibly coming up soon, who knows, but, um, and the interesting thing about that, like Corey good talks about it a lot and others and, it's um at first people kind of thought it was like going to be this earth ending event and you know like devastating kind of event but really it's kind of we realize we think it's more of like it's going to affect our consciousness um so like the sun it's a natural cycle and the sun's gonna do this thing that um, is going to naturally just affect our consciousness and, and our DNA and upgrade our DNA. And, and that will kind of naturally cause us, because like you, before you were talking about, we're not ready right now for the kind of disclosure we think we need because 
the vast majority of the planet is is like spiritual children that can't handle it, right? And we'll just kill ourselves and destroy the planet, um, which I, I totally agree with that. I 100% agree with that. But I think we're coming up soon to a place where we're going to be forced to, or, you know, forced, we're going to naturally uh, have our consciousness raised. And then we're going to be like, oh, crap, <laughs> like, we need to fix this place. We need to do things differently. And we're going to suddenly become aware of so much more than we are now, you know? And yeah, well put, well put. I no, I'm very happy that you stated what you stated. Very happy because we are going through some type of shift and you have to remember our minds, our electromagnetic fields of our minds are tapped into the planet. Uh, it's tapped into the, um, geomagnetic field of the earth and the solar winds, which um, you're talking about definitely affects our mind and our consciousness. So um, many people will have spiritual experiences or um, change the way they think or see um, during times of, let's say a solar uh, event. So I remember um, let's say a solar flare it was very strong that lit up the um, ionosphere um, that night. It was amazing dreams and information uh, out of body experiences. So the solar energy hitting the geomagnetic fields of the earth affect our consciousness and mind. Um, that's what I believe. And there is this type of ascension going on, but my definition of ascension is the awareness, which is what you said. It's the awareness of tapping into things outside of the three-dimensional world. And as we tap into these multi-dimensional areas, we get insight of who we are, um, where we're going, what we're doing on the planet. And it's an instant, I call it a, a cosmic slap in the face because yeah. you realize that you need to change. So um, yes, I, I really hope that, uh, many people get the cosmic slap and wake up <laughs> yeah. so that we can move these things forward in a much faster way. Um, so I, I totally agree with it in that, that sense. Awesome. Yeah. I, I think everybody's ascending as far, even the people, the lowest vibrational humans in the program, you know, when this energy comes in at some level, they're upgrading their DNA is being activated uh, they'll have no idea what's happening, you know, but it, it's just on a different level. You know, they might start dieting a little different for some reason. You don't want to start. And, and so it's happening on all levels. It just yeah. depends on where you stand. Yeah. But just remember um, this type of, and I'll call it a narrative. This narrative has been around for a very long time. And uh, if, if you remember 2012, I don't know. Were you guys in the community around 2012? I just, that was my initial awakening and my initial venture into this was 2012 actually. Because, so. because leading up to 2012, um, many authors came forward. Uh, many channelers came forward and say exactly the same thing that's being said now about the cosmic event, the cosmic uh, solar flare, the cosmic, awakening of consciousness and most people uh, were writing books basically saying that um, when this event happens in 2012 
we will be instantly ascended um, into another dimension. We would literally just wake up one day and the world is gone and we're somewhere else, but it's that higher consciousness world. And obviously 2012 came and went, and that's actually not the first time that that type of narrative or talk was in here. Um, it even goes back to uh, 2000 uh, with Y2K. It was the same thing. People were talking about the end and this whole great awakening. Mm -hmm. uh, so this has happened, and this is why I hate putting dates on things. You know, yeah. if, you, if you remember in the book, you know, I talk about even like the red sky and everything is destroyed on the planet, right? Yeah. These like, you get to see these end time scenarios play out, but I was never ever given a date. It's just something I had to kind of think. I thought, in my personal opinion is I thought that would happen um, around 2012. And when it didn't happen, I thought, you know, 2018, <laughs> yeah. because because you're given these visions and these, these messages from spirit. And it's very, very confusing because yes, you know, it, it's science, a hundred percent, an extreme solar flare could come and wipe us out tomorrow. I mean, it's happened in the past before. We're not saying anything crazy. This is real, you know, and we should be aware that these things can happen and they have happened. You know, how will it affect the human race? We don't know. So there's a lot of questions still about the awakening process, the solar events. But remember, there's also a 12-year, 11, 12-year cycle of solar maximums. Yep. You know, yep. so we're coming into that in a couple of years again. Yeah. So... You know, so, yeah, right at the end, the solar minimum. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I remember people taking advantage, you know, and a lot of people just take advantage of that narrative too to make money. Uh, I, I remember seeing that play out. I remember this guy was like selling t shirts. He was supposed to jump off of this cliff and yeah. <laughs> 21st and like into this portal that was supposed to open at this specific time and like, he was going to have camera crews there and everything. He was going <laughs> to jump off this cliff and cliff and hope that the portal like caught him. <laughs> wow. But remember what that gentleman said is that he said uh, beings from another world basically told him that if he didn't jump through that portal at the exact moment, he would be responsible for the destruction of the earth. Through. I didn't know that. So think I, of so you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, right? I do. So, but think of that that uh, mentality. Think of these beings messing with that person. Yeah, <laughs> you know, screw those guys. Whoever those guys were. It could be. It could be voice of God technology. I mean, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of things like that. And I remember I was on a radio show um, in 2011. And everybody was talking about 2012 and they asked me, so Jason, what's going to happen 2012? Are we going to ascend? Are we going to go to another dimension? What's going to happen? And I, I basically answered, I said, there is nothing that's going to happen on 2012. It'll be just like another day. Mm -hmm. and, and I lost a lot of uh, people that liked me because people <laughs> wanted to hear 
They wanted to hear some other voice saying, yes, sell all your things, you know, go have some fun because tomorrow you're going to be ascended. I mean, that's completely irresponsible in yeah, my opinion. I agree. And yeah. I remember um, very specifically uh, Giorgio Sukalos saying the same exact thing. He was on Joe Rogan's podcast and, he, and Joe Rogan asked him, he said, absolutely nothing, Joe. He's like, yeah. nothing is going to happen. And uh, it, it, it was like, at the time, like I was one of those people, I wanted to hear him say like he thought something was going to happen. And I understand why people might, you might have lost some followers or whatever. Uh, because I wasn't, I was still in the early stages of just like discovering information. I hadn't even begun my awakening, but uh, yeah. So but I, you, I, it's just, you just said the most perfect thing is that, when a person starts to awaken and they receive all this amazing information, dude, we want to believe this. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have this hope inside of us that there is something going on that's amazing that's going to happen to the planet. And when you put all your eggs in that basket and it doesn't happen, it crushes you, you know, and you have to like rebuild. I remember, um, we had these spiritual and health shows in Canada here and they were extremely popular because everybody was getting into this 2012 thing. These shows were so busy, like 10 plus thousand people would walk through these aisles at these shows. Like you couldn't walk through the aisles and that's how many people were there. And everybody was getting so excited to this big event coming and they're getting into crystals and spiritual information, yoga, Reiki. And 2013, when it didn't happen, the same shows, they lost like 50 to 60% of their audience. It's like the shows were dead in 2013. And then they continued to die up until now. Yeah. I mean, business just fell because everybody had put their hope and dreams into something happening. And I really hope that we don't um, do that again. We don't get that hope up. We have to be very realistic and understand that uh, there is a process happening. It may not be the process that we're talking about, but it will get us to where we need to go. Yeah. And that kind of reveals a, uh, a level of consciousness where those people are at and where so many people on the planet are at that they want someone else to save them. They don't want to do the work themselves. They don't want to be res completely responsible for <laughs> themselves. Ultimately is what it comes down to. It's like, it's like they want a savior. They want, they want to look to some event to save them from all their problems and all the problems of the world. You took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> Literally, that is the most important message I ever received from my out-of-body experiences. And it was a very hard message to hear. It was, you are 100% responsible for your destiny. Yeah. Nobody is coming to save you. Yeah. There will be assistance and help, but you have to walk that path. It's yeah. an individual experience of awakening and enlightenment and we choose to walk. We may be initiated into it from some type of an event. Uh, many people are initiated into it from a trauma 
a lot of people have near-death experiences and suddenly they're completely changed yeah. and they go down that path of awakening. Um, so I say it's an individual process. We are responsible and we are our own saviors. And I know that's hard for a lot of people to hear, but that's just what I was told. And I, it resonated with me. Yeah. And, and a good first step to practice is uh, practice non-attachment, no emotional attachment to this information because that's what, that's what happens. You know, you get crushed. And uh, so anybody listening who might be at that level, uh, just don't attach yourself to all these theories and everything. Just, you know, you got to really find what's true to you and just focus on yourself because otherwise you will be let down. I'll, t I'll say one really funny story because uh, you could all look this up. I'll try to find it. But I was on Coast to Coast with uh, George Norrie. And this was years ago. I think this was like 2015 or 2016. And um, I was the second guest on. And the guest before me was the Planet X guy. Uh -huh. <laughs> and basically the whole show, he was he was basically saying, when March comes along, Planet X is going to be here and we're all going to die. We only have a couple more months left to live. So buy my set of DVDs at $650. And that's great. And I had to go on after this guy. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm thinking, man, if I had like two months left to live, you think I'm going to spend $600 on your DVDs and waste <laughs> my time watching it? No, I'm going to go out with a bang, right? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That's that's actually a great point. Yeah, yeah. it is not very well thought out. You're, so, we're all going to die in three months. Buy my yeah. DVDs. It's Even the if, funniest thing. Like, how can you say this to people? Yeah. <laughs> Even if one person bought that set for that amount of money, I mean, he's doing good. <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? I guarantee you that hundreds of people bought that DVD because yeah. fear sells, yeah, sells, unfortunately. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Fear sells, fear controls. Um, all right. We're going to start wrapping this up. Sure. Um, is there anything, any uh, events or news or anything coming up that you want to tell us about? Are you going to be um, I am going to be speaking uh, down in Florida on the weekend of January 11th in Orlando. Um, I will uh, put some, I'll give you some links so you can put it up um, if you'd like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I'm doing the same things. I'm going to be going to contact in the desert coming up uh, 2020. And I'm also going to be doing another um, conference up in Arizona in June as well. And Disclosure Fest 2020 LA. So there's going to be a lot of cool events coming up. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll keep an eye out for that. Uh, make sure if you're listening, check out his website and Facebook page, the crystal sun, which we never did talk about. Uh, but it's okay. We, it was an awesome conversation anyway. Um, so thanks for coming on. This was totally awesome. Got, we touched on a lot of stuff and I was really, uh, really excited to hear what you had to say about a lot of it. No, thank you for inviting me. And, uh, we actually, talked about exactly what we should be talking about so yeah it was, it was great. <laughs> yes. yeah I, I would i could sit down and ask you a million more questions about your experiences but uh maybe another time absolutely uh, no it'll yeah. be fun yeah definitely 
All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, make sure you like and subscribe. Check us out on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes. Uh, we just finally got on the Twitter. So follow us on Twitter. Instagram's coming. Merch is coming. Uh, so stay tuned. And thank you for listening. Good night. Good night. Bye. Yo, what's up? Don't use that part. Journey the Truth is brought to you by. Yo, what's up? Journey to Truth Park. Eh. Let me think about this. Sleep quality and more. Don't add that part. Edit that part. <laughs> to purchase the Omnia Radiation Balancer, click here. You could end it like that. Or however. <laughs>